0: from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington DC home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA this is Catholic Military Life the official podcast of the Archdiocese here now your moderator public affairs director Taylor Henry
1: Thank you, Elizabeth LaSalle, and with me today is Casey Bustamante, a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy and currently serving in the U.S. Air Force Reserves, and she works here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services as Associate Director of Young Adult Ministry. Welcome, Casey.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Taylor.
1: And uh, thanks so much for sitting in with us today. So uh, let me first ask you, what is a young adult? What age group are we talking about?
0: Sure, yeah, that's a common question, and a lot of people have different ideas of what young adult is. We hear young adult genre for uh, books, but when the church talks about young adult, um, according to the USCCB, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, they define young adult to be 18 to 39 years old. Particularly uh, in the archdiocese, we recognize that age range as well, but we do have a target audience, uh, a target group that we try to Minister to, and that's between the ages of 18 and 30.
1: Okay, so uh, whether it be 18 to 39 or 18 to 30, uh, that group um, is highly represented in the U.S. military, right?
0: That's correct, yes, yeah.
1: (laughs) Any idea what the percentage is? I would expect probably, what, 80, 90 percent?
0: Yeah, so if you're looking at the larger age range, 18 to 39, that is about 90 percent of the U.S. military. Yeah, if you think about it, most people when they enlist or they commission, they, you know, 18 to 22, 24 years old. And um, I would say in that target age range, 18 to 30, we have about uh, two thirds of the U.S. military.
1: Wow. So you have an important job.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's something really important that we share um, when we, uh, when the Office of Evangelization engages with priests and with leaders uh, that work within chapel communities, is they may not always see that number of people. They may not see two thirds of their chapel community uh, being rep- or representing that age range. But uh, when we think about the church's mission, that is who she serves. She serves majority of the U.S. military.
1: So these folks, whether they're in the military or not, this age group is a time when people figure out who they are um, and kind of explore life issues and come up with their own uh, chart uh, for uh, you know their lives. What kinds of issues do you find this particular group facing when it comes to their faith, and particularly their Catholic faith?
0: Yeah, so I think I can touch on this personally, and also, with uh, a lot of my friends, that um, for a lot of us, you know, I, I grew up cradle Catholic, right? I, I was baptized Catholic. I went to school. um I went to Sunday Mass and a Sunday school. And I was always encouraged um, almost mandatory uh, attendance to Sunday Mass. And when you become an adult, you know, when you go off to college or maybe you go straight into the workforce, um that eighteen to twenty two age range is a significant time. For people to really accept the faith that has been um, shared with them growing up, and uh, I experienced that myself uh, going to the Air Force Academy um, you know that first started off with basic training and you go through a lot of self-evaluation um, I think anybody who enters the military you're going through a lot of self-evaluation and boot camp basic training however you enter and Um, not only is this a time where you have to decide, am I going to go to church on my own um, now that I don't have my parents around or maybe my grandparents to take me, um, why am I going? You know, you really ask yourself that question, and you're already asking yourself a lot of other questions about who you are, uh, what are your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, You kind of, you know, try to remind yourself, why did I sign up for this again? Um, And so I think that, Along with that, the faith question comes up is, is this really my own? Is God someone who I really believe in? And I think that that is a question that is often, um, that that is a common question that military personnel have for themselves. And uh, I think along with that, you know, uh, depending on what follow-on training you have from basic training or boot camp, you're starting to get into uh, more, uh, you know, rigorous training, you're going into your career field. And so you really start to ask yourself that question on what is it that I really believe in? Um, and so I think that that's a common question that people have, but also then how does this relate to the rest of my life? How does the faith life relate to my military, um, my military experience? And I think really what, what it comes down to is what motivates you at the end of the day. And, um, you know, a common thing that we hear about with, um, all of the different service, uh, services, branches is, you know, that you are not only fighting this mission or come, you know, in combat defending our nation for yourself and for your ideals, but the people that you are working right alongside. And I think that um, where does that energy and motivation come from personally? I think it really does uh, beg the question on who is God in your own life.
1: How do you reach out to this considerably large population?
0: Sure, um, that is definitely uh, something that we, you know, have to tackle every day. And I'm, I'm one person, I'm a limited um, being, and so w- the way in which we've approached it uh, is really trying to have a strategic vision on how we help support young adult ministry. And, and one way that we look at it, um, you know, the church for a long time has been very programmatic. And so we, as the Office of Evangelization, are really trying to step away from that and seeing how else can we help this be more lasting, you know, because programs insinuate that there is a timeline for that ministry. And we are in the business of, you know, people are constantly moving, um, whether that's within three months, six months, uh, two to three years, you know, for a quote-unquote normal assignment for most military members. And... To have a traditional fall to spring program doesn't really work for our population. And so alongside that, um, we have started to really, what I've really tried to emphasize in, in the strategic vision for the ministry that I get to serve is really focusing on building up our young adult leaders. And so um, uh, the church talks about missionary discipleship. And there's kind of a a cycle that people go through when they really take on that sense of being a missionary disciple of Jesus. And so the first part is um, really kind of being, or it's being won over. And uh, that is really, you know, this idea that, okay, I've been going to church or maybe I haven't, maybe I'm a convert to the faith and I really love Christ and I want him to be at the center of my life and everything that I do. That is a process. But once you go through that process and you've accepted God in your life, you are participating in the sacraments of the church, you realize this isn't just for me. You know, there's something more here that I am a part of. And you start to really grow in your faith. Maybe you're thinking more about, um, you're learning about not only uh, the tenets of the faith, but you're going deeper. You're learning about the saints, you're reading about the saints, you're praying. Um, maybe in Eucharistic adoration, you're doing service, the works of mer- excuse me, you're doing the works of mercy, and God starts to call you to do something more with being His disciple, and then that is that calling. You know, we hear uh, we hear Mass, the idea of what Mass is. It's being sent forth. This faith isn't just for me, and so <clears throat> we are trying to work with young adults are kind of in that second and third phase of really helping form them in the faith, in their personal in their spiritual life, and then also how are they called to then share that with others.
1: How do you identify these leaders?
0: So that happens a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes we get uh, we get called up uh, personally by young adults, um, having served active duty myself, You know, I I get I have a lot of friends that are my age and younger or maybe some of my friends who are connecting me with younger people because I'm now in my 30s. And so that is a way um, we do connect with priests and uh, the priest will, you know, ask us, how can I help uh, my young adult do a ministry here at whatever military installation they're at? And then also we try to engage through social media. So. Uh, We started out with a Facebook group, but we also try to engage on Instagram and Twitter. And so it just happens through a number of different ways.
1: So you do this for military installations all over the world?
0: Correct, yes. We are a global archdiocese, so we work with military installations all over. And um, some of the initiatives that we've had, we see that they are at times more fruitful overseas.
1: You just got back from World Youth Day.
0: Yes, yes, I was at World Youth Day in Panama. That's correct.
1: And you took a group of uh, young adult military Catholics.
0: Yes, um, I did. I had the I've had the privilege of uh, being to uh, four World Youth Days, and this was my fourth. And normally, we are part of a larger military pilgrimage. Um, a lot of the countries will host military pilgrims, but this year was a little bit different because Panama has a national police force, but they don't have a standing military like the U.S. does. So, uh, yeah, we were six, uh, excuse me, we were seven total pilgrims, including me, and we were, we had host families that we stayed with, and uh, they came from a couple of different installations.
1: Now, I covered uh, World Youth Day in Denver in 1993 for EWTN, and as I recall, that took place in the late summer.
0: Yes, yeah, so this was kind of different. You know, we are in the northern hemisphere, and uh, the closer you get to the equator, um, you know, the seasons change and so um, they had done Rio uh, World Youth Day which was in, I believe that was 2016
1: maybe, or That was 2013, I think, either
0: 2012 or 2013. And um, they did it in July and uh, the the weather was pretty, it was pretty wet. And uh, in Panama, it's the same. Uh, It's much more uh, rainy in June, July. And so they changed the time of year, same year, but this different time of year and a different month in January um, in hopes that this would be better. And it was definitely a lot drier.
1: What is it about World Youth Day that's worth going to for young adults?
0: I would say uh, what it's worth is that, um, you know, for anybody who's coming from their own country to World Youth Day, they've only experienced, for the most part, they've only experienced the faith in their culture, in their traditions of that country. And I think what Uh, young adults really get to experience when they go to World Youth Day is actually seeing that international and that universal church.
1: Tell me a little bit about your personal background. You went to the U.S. Air Force Academy. That's quite an achievement just to get into the Air Force Academy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was very blessed uh, to have the opportunity um, when I talk about uh, my time at the Air Force Academy uh, because it was very much connected to my faith. Um, Me growing and kind of having my reversion to the faith Um, I, I always talk about, and I'm reminded that, um, I got accepted to the Air Force Academy a week before I graduated from high school. Um, I was, I think I would say that I was probably fourth or fifth string pick for the, uh, for the Air Force Academy, but, um, admissions was still looking for some, um, candidates or some cadets. And, uh, they asked me and I said, yes.
1: Well, the yeah, Air Force Academy doesn't matter if you're 6th or 12th or 13th string. <laughs> right, right. So what was your experience there like?
0: Yeah, my experience at the Air Force Academy was um, incredible. Uh, of course, I'm looking 10 years back, so there were a lot of challenges um, that were a part of it. But as I mentioned, um, really making that yes, or saying, giving that yes to uh, going to the Air Force Academy for uh, school, Um, I thought it was really to have, you know, God was giving me an opportunity to serve. Um, My dad served in the Air Force. I very much wanted um, the opportunity to do the same. I'm a, you know, I'm a product of 9-11. That happened when I was in high school. And so the sense of public service really um, was stirred. And I was grateful to have that opportunity. But what I learned was that opportunity um, to to serve really was more of an invitation to grow closer to God. And um, by that, what I mean is kind of what I was alluding to earlier about basic training, really just helping you form who you are. And uh, we also had uh, focus missionaries at my school when I was there.
1: Did you find the rigor at the academy uh, promoting your faith?
0: I did. I did. Um, There are so many different demands made of you as a cadet. Um, You know, you have your military, your daily military um, obligations, the military training that you're going through. You have the academic portion, you have the physical fitness portion. And uh, one thing that you really have to learn very quickly as a cadet is you cannot do it all. And so you really have to decide what your priorities are and, really order your life to that. And so, of course, that means you have a life of discipline, and I think that that's very parallel to the faith life.
1: And that life of discipline including it includes walking the line. Yes. You have to walk the checkerboard there at the Air Force Academy right. when you're a freshman.
0: Right, yes, uh, when you're a fourth-class cadet, um, it is mandatory that you run around and um, you're greeting everybody, and yeah, yeah. There's a, a, <laughs> a lot going on that first year. What,
1: what what is the uh, what is the faith like at the academy? And were, were you able to go to mass every Sunday, or back then were you kind of not going yeah. every Sunday? Um,
0: or? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very grateful that my family uh, made it mandatory to go every Sunday, so I think it was at that point a habit for me. But um, yes, uh, during basic training, going to church is kind of that that uh, reprieve that you get, so you definitely want to make it to church. At the academy, you know, you're know you really learning what your priorities are. And so if the faith life is a priority, you can make it a priority. Um, there is Sunday Mass available. There's also uh, daily Mass. And uh, they also have a Monday night um, event called Spire. And that is for all different faith groups. Is They have an opportunity for you to gather with other cadets and the chaplain that also is of the same tradition.
1: The Air Force Academy was the target of secularists at one time several years ago, where they were complaining about, uh, oh, saying the name of the Lord and the oath and uh, other controversies. Did you see any of that when you were there?
0: You know, uh, that kind of caught me by surprise um, to have heard that happen while I was there. But I think that, um, I think some of that is very uh, legitimate. Um, I know, you know, I I just went back last year in the fall for my 10 year reunion and getting to speak with some of my fellow classmates um, that they did experience that as, excuse me, they did experience some Mm -hmm. proselytization um, and I'm not going to call out any particular traditions, but I think that that was coming from certain groups um, that have a more proselytizing view. But that is not the way that the Catholic faith approaches um, being a witness to Christ overall in general. And so I think because I was embedded in that faith group, um, I really didn't experience that. And I think I was growing so much in my own faith that maybe I had friends that tried to challenge me on that. But um, I just always, you know, I always approach that topic with respect with others.
1: And proselytizing is not something that the Archdiocese for the Military Services encourages.
0: Correct, yeah. Uh, Uh, Even
1: uh, even our Catholic chaplains will tell you that in the service, uh, for example, if you have a mm same-sex couple who comes and wants marital counseling, our Catholic chaplain is not going to provide that, but uh, he's under obligation to send them to a chaplain who who might do that.
0: Sure, absolutely. I think that... um you know, our priests that serve in the Archdiocese are in a unique role that, um, you know, we hear Pope Francis talk a lot about serving on the peripheries, or he's always reminding us that there are people who, um, you know, are not in the faith for whatever reason. Um, Perhaps they have wounds from the faith, um, or other things, but chaplains really are those who get to be on the ground and meeting people who are hungering for love for uh, for forgiveness, for mercy. And as chaplains, they serve all people. But yes, absolutely. You know, the, the U S government does provide them some protections on how, you know, for them, uh, from their, whatever their endorsing, uh, group is church group is that they are, um, not only permitted, but encouraged to promote those tenets within their uh, chapel community. And and I think another side of it, too, uh, like I said, I work in the Office of Evangelization. Working in the Office of Evangelization, it's in our name to evangelize. And I think a lot of the times when we speak to priests or young adults who are trying to start a young adult ministry, you start to talk to them about evangelization, and they do kind of get a little bit nervous because I think that there is this concern with proselytizing and so we really have to work hard to make to change the vocabulary around evangelization to ensure that the training and formation that we are providing and supporting young adults to have that they understand that this is um, this evangelization does not come without respecting uh, the personal views and frankly uh, everyone's own free will and and that's really what the government is also trying to protect, and uh, the church does the same, even in her tradition.
1: What would you say the difference between proselytizing and evangelization is? Is it the element of coercion? In cases where I've seen proselytizing going on, it seems like there's an element of pressure.
0: Sure. I think that, um, you know, when you think about each person's spiritual life, um, you know, The church sometimes, I think, uh, gets the question on, you know, why do we do infant baptisms? But um, I think that uh, we do have the gift of faith. We have to remember that faith is a gift. And um, I think that that is why, uh, you know, we baptize um, people because we know that faith is a gift. God's mercy is a gift. But alongside that, we are asked to make a, a personal yes every day, every moment of the day that, you know, we make that yes to God, like Mary made her yes um, to, to God, um, and that the, the coercion part, it's not something that's present in the faith. Um, even if, you know, you think about, I, I get the question a lot, uh, doing young adult ministry, I get questions from parents of young adults, and they always want to know, how do I get my child back to the faith? And it's not an easy answer, but they're seeking an easy answer. And I think that is sometimes why people try to use proselytization because they're so concerned about the salvation of a person. Um, You know, it's always important to look at what's the good that people are trying to accomplish. And I think people out of love desire salvation for others, but we have in our teachings of the church that, you cannot even receive God's mercy without being open to it. And I, that's what I would say is the difference between fossilization and evangelization is recognizing that each person, um, along with it being a gift, that they have to be receptible to that gift. And so the process of evangelization is, you know, if, if it was you and I, Taylor, you know that if I feel God stirring in my heart to grow in a friendship with you, and um, present the faith to you that it is something that you have to be also intrigued by and be open to.
1: And of course, in the Catholic Church, uh, the sacrament of baptism is affirmed with confirmation.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Casey Bustamante, Associate Director for Young Adult Ministry and a member of the US Air Force Reserve. What's your rank, by the way? I'm a major. Major, Major Bustamante. Thank you so much for talking to me today.
0: Thank you, Taylor, for having me. It's been a joy.